demonstrations of products, and much more. You may reach us by calling 646-876-9923. Follow the automated prompts. When you're asked for a meeting ID, enter 287-723-4600. When you're asked for a user ID, just press pound. You may also join us by downloading Zoom for your Android or iOS devices from the Play Store or the App Store. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Bill Sparks. Well, a very good morning to you and welcome to the Coffee Club for February 8th, 2023. It's just a little bit over 70 degrees here. It's not too bad. I can't complain at all weather-wise. So here we are once again. Well, this week I've been in the midst of radio testing and app testing. So tomorrow night you're going to hear a review of the WFR Dash 39, a very small portable radio from San Jean. Um, and you'll hear that tomorrow night. It's an FM internet radio. So you'll be hearing that tomorrow night. And then the next week, you'll be hearing one from the Grace Mondo Elite, which is a little bit bigger radio, and we'll be talking about that. It's got a real good sound and some other things I really like. I'm going to tell you all about phone apps and what works, what doesn't work, 
Maybe it's me, the operator. I'm not sure. But I, I think I'm on the right track and what we're doing about it. So we got that going on. Everything else has been pretty quiet this week. No real complaints. It seems like we went to the doctor. Maybe that was last week. I can't remember uh, when we went to the doctor here. But we got to go again in two or three weeks. So got to get that over with. And here we realize how much of a hassle it is to switch prescriptions or to switch drug stores when you go from one CVS to another. They can't get it right. They tell you it takes two or three days to switch your prescription. And I saw the lady do it in the drugstore. It takes 30 seconds. So, and they didn't even have to talk to anybody at the other drugstore. So, who knows? Well, 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 here's the question of the day in honor of Jenny and Nolan's new show coming up next week on February 14th. Who is your favorite NLS or Audible narrator? Or do you prefer the Kindles or the Bookshare where they use the computer voices. So everybody that calls in today will get asked that question in addition to what they have to say. So without further ado, Jennifer, do you want to say anything about your new show coming up? Well, we're looking forward to it, and I hope that everybody, we get lots of participation and Think about a book that left a lasting impression on you that you always think about. Either a quote, something that a person said from that book that you especially remember, or something about the plot. Um, For example, one of mine is um, One Second After, and whenever all the power goes out for very long, I always check my cell phone to make sure the cell towers are still up. <laughs> That's a good idea. So, are you doing this show by yourself? No, thank goodness. I won't have to talk to myself for an hour. Um, Nolan has been gracious enough to join me. And he runs the DBT list. Was it DB? He runs the DB review list. He's had it. I think this is... The sixth or seventh year, I, I joined it the first year that he that he started it. Him and Don Horn, I forget the gym, Don, yeah. I, and they, it's one of the best run mailing lists I think I've seen because people have disagreements about the book or whatever, but they never get personal with anybody, and they pretty much try to keep all the politics and everything out of it, and they just do a fantastic job with that site, well, that list. That'll be a, a good thing. You know, later today, Jennifer, when I release this podcast, there's going to be a podcast release. It was actually the final thing on Sports Lounge. Sports Lounge will still be on. It's just short to one hour, but uh, we did an interview with Kobe, that's K-O, K-O-L-B-Y, 
Garrison, and she works for ACB, but she's a huge NASCAR fan, and they did several documentaries on her from NASCAR, and very knowledgeable and does a great job. And if you're not a NASCAR fan after listening to her, you soon will be. So that that was a great thing. So anything else going on with you? Oh, well, we met a gentleman that came and helped you set up your radio, and he was really a nice man. Yeah, Mark. Uh, hats out to Mark, because this radio was, except, but it wouldn't turn into accessibility until, I don't know if it's a security thing or there's some reason why they do it this way. I had to turn on the radio, click it twice. I read that with my phone. And it came up, and I clicked it on wireless, but that's where the fun began. Then the screen wasn't available. I mean, I couldn't type in the password, so that was his job, to type in the password. And so he familiarized me with a few keys once we got that up and going. And and it was kind of restores your faith in a little bit. Sometimes... You get into an island by yourself and you think you're self-sufficient, but you really do need help from time to time. So that that was a great thing. So anything else for you, Jennifer? No, I think I think that's pretty much it. So All right. We're gonna send it up to Tim in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Good morning, everyone. Nice. Day here we're supposed to get up to around 42 that's uh, really warm for us this time of year so should be good and uh looking forward to my countdown tomorrow night from 1965 and uh let's see what else oh and i'm also looking forward to the book club next week so that should be a fun show uh not looking forward to my radio review? Well, that too. But, okay. Not so but much. That's a given. I always listen to all things radio. So. Yeah. Okay. I have to tease you a little bit. So, I have to so, tease you just a little bit. Anyway, yeah. I'll, I, uh, I'm kind of thinking about a radio like that. So, we'll see what you have to say about it. We will see. All right, Tim, we're going to send it up to Albany, New York, and talk to talk to Mr. Soft Hands himself. Well, thank you, Bill. Everything is good here in Albany, New York. I've been, um, you know, thinking about Jennifer's questions about the favorite narrators. I will talk about that as soon as uh, we check everyone in. Um, I'm not a book. I am unfortunately not a book reader. I, I read magazines occasionally, but most of the stuff I read is on the internet. But uh, but I know that uh, for those who love books uh, and talking books, there are some great narrators that I used to like to listen to. Um, some unfortunately, some some of them are dead. But we'll talk about that later. Everything is good here. Not much going on. Um, getting all prepared for tomorrow's All Things Radio show. I think you guys will enjoy it. And that's all we can say from here. All right, Jeff. Let's switch it up to out. Tuna, Pennsylvania, we're less than 24 hours away, or just about, maybe a little 
hour or two more than when it becomes National Donna Day. So any of Kristen Day's friends, be sure not to call, bother them on National Donna Day until they get home about 3 o'clock usually, between (laughs) 2 and 3. You're not to bother them. Right, Chris? Right. I thought so. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and say, there's not a lot going on here. We're we're upstairs because we're cooking a pork butt on the Traeger, and it's 39 degrees outside, so we're having to watch the pellets pretty close because it's burning through them, trying to keep the grill up to temperature. But I'm going to go ahead and answer Jenny's question, and it was funny, Jenny, when you asked that question. That One Second After is the first book that popped into my mind. That was a really good book. And as far as narrators, there's a lot of them I like, but I like it when they the same one reads the whole series, if it's a series. Yeah, if it's possible, yes. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. It is but very... That's about what's going on here. Not a lot. We're hoping to have the Breville demo ready next week. I think we are just about got everything figured out where we can safely say this will happen or that will happen. Looking forward to that. The smoke really? detectors go up. Eh, eh, never mind. Just, kid, just kidding around, Chris. Oh, Jeff, we would get you scared and flustered. No. <laughs> I hear you. Oh, we'd get you going. All right. We've been through the panel, I think. I- yeah, ours, okay. ours says fire. Oh. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's swing it around. And Jeff, let's, let's call everybody in. Remember, we do it one at a time. Try to come in and not make as much noise. I got written up for that last week and really criticized a lot. So please, you know. Try not to do that if you can. All right. Well, uh, our first contestant, who's not going to win any prizes, at least not right now, but he's uh, Joe Sorensen. Can you unmute yourself, please? Hello. Good morning, everyone. Coffee Club Worldwide. And here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, it's 27 degrees, and it says fog. F-O-G, fog. Anyway, and then it says the forecast sunshine, 50 degrees, and a low tonight, 26. Now... I, I have lived in Worthington, Minnesota in 1966 for nine months. So, of course, things were a lot different then. Back then, KWOA was 7.30 on the AM dial, and they, they had an FM station. So the, the station you featured obviously was not around back in the days. It, it's actually, it, it has grown quite a bit, but it's, it, it is a nice little town about 180 miles from Minneapolis. So, anyway, that's that's it. Okay, here's Ellen. <laughs> good morning, everybody. And uh, yeah, we're we're doing pretty good around here. We don't have a whole lot going on today. Just just a nice day here at home, which is good because it looks like. And I can't confirm this because we live on the third floor and it's hard to tell from up here. But um, we do have fog out there. I can see it. And then on top of that, I think we did get maybe a little bit of snow, but I'm not really sure because, like I said, it's hard for me to, to tell from 
up here. But we're hanging in there and just um, doing our usual thing. Now, as far as narrators, when I remember, I don't, because I'm not. I am like you, Jeff. I read magazines and, and internet stuff. But uh, Terry Hayes Sales, she was one one of the best narrators. I, I I don't know if she is still alive or not. But oh, she's passed away. Oh yeah. I don't do a whole lot of uh, audio book reading, but my favorite book of all time, and I read it in Braille, was Great Expectations. Oh my! You like yeah. Charles Dickens? Oh, yeah. Charles Dickens is a great, great author. Yeah, he's good. Well, that's the one that wrote Great Expectations. Yeah, I liked it. It was really good. I did it for a book report at school, but I really enjoyed it because I, I, I got an education in how the Amish live. I thought that was pretty good. Pretty cool. Good stuff, guys, and thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Sure enough. Now we, now we can have our brick back. Right. Well, stay well, careful. Stay. All right, thank you, Joe. Okay, now Gail Gruber uh, Bankston, can you unmute yourself, please? Hopefully, I'm unmuted. Go yes, ahead. you are. Um, my, fa- uh, I liked a lot of books when I I don't read as much as far as books go, but there was one reader. There were several readers from way back that I liked. If you remember Michael Clark Lawrence and um, one guy that uh, Sumner Locke Elliott, there was a book called Careful He Might Hear You that I read that was in talking book, real good book as far as I was concerned. And uh, not much else going on here. It's nice and warm for this time of year in Sauk Rapids. It's very nice now. My Heat is up, but it's a little too warm in here. But, you know, I'd have to turn it up and down, and that's a, it's about that time of year to play around with the heat, I guess. Other than that, um, nothing else. Wendy and I are still doing well. Everything else is going fine. And uh, other than that, uh, nothing else for the time being. Well, that's good that all is well in Gale Land and Sauk Rapids, and things are good. That's good. But no mischief. No mischief. If any of you can find a little pass it my way, that's all I ask. All right. We'll send a cat or two along your way. <laughs> How about Sun? Yeah. Oh, I didn't do that. And we have no one. But as long as you're talking about narrators, I think that there are two that I like the best. House Jameson, now for those who don't know, House Jameson is the same guy who was an old-time radio actor who uh, was, the f- was, the, was the father in the Henry Aldrich radio series. He, that was the guy that played Henry Aldrich's father. He read In Cold Blood, and that was one of my favorite books at the time. That was a long time ago. That's the Truman Capote book. And the other book narrator who read a bunch of books by a guy named Arthur Haley... Not the guy that rode Roots, but the different guy. He did a book called Overload. It's a story of the sabotage of a power station, of a power of a power utility company. He also uh, read the book Hotel. That was also he wrote the book Hotel. That's the only, I'm not a big book reader, but those are the two books I, uh, that I that I liked. But 
And the worst reader, and I cannot stand him because he shows no emotion and has no expression when he reads it, he sounds like a robot, is Bob Boots. I just don't like reading a book that he's done. And for the females, Yvonne, I know she's passed away now, Yvonne Fair Tesla was also a good Oh, she was a good one. She was a real good one. Yeah, I liked her. I I liked her. Just had the right type of style. I really liked her. I forgot to mention book readers. I still think one of my favorites was Bob Askey. Oh, he's excellent. Oh, man. He did and, the Cat Who books, and he was wonderful at that. Yep, he, could, yep. he could meow like a Siamese cat. <laughs> I used to follow him on Facebook. He was he, He's based in Denver, Colorado, and he was a radio yep. announcer out there, as a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think he worked for um, 1600 whatever their call letters yeah, are boy, now. Louisville's a hotbed for radio announcers. Did you like the the, the Louisville stable of, of people, uh, Tim? I'm talking to people like Milton Metz, Livingston Gilbert, Ed Kelly, oh, Van Lance. Those are the four that I can remember. Um, Brian, R- Ryan Halloran. Ed um, Calloway, yeah. Did you know that when you go into some airport, sometimes the the man that you hear telling you about keep staying close to your baggage and some of those things that makes those uh, airport-wide announcements is Jack Fox. I did oh, know that, Jennifer. Yeah. Oh, and the, then there's the New York series of readers. You, you guys may not remember. People like Santos Ortega, uh, Louis Van Ruten, Robert Dryden, Guy Sorrell, Ralph Bell, and Mary Jane Higby. Ralph now, Bell I, was one of my favorites. I really liked him. He was he a was, good one. He was quite good, Ralph Bell, and he was a great radio actor, wasn't he? On the, especially oh, on uh, for sure. Mystery, uh, Mystery, Mystery Theater, Theater. And, yep. And that, the, he was very good. Ra- Ralph Bell was awesome. Um, Ed, can you unmute yourself, please, Mister Schwilk? All right. Um, there we go. Sorry, I thought I was unmuted. I started talking to myself. <laughs> Um, uh, I just since you're talking about books, I read a lot of the uh, post-apocalyptic books, and my favorite narrator from that. Well, actually, he's known for reading a lot of the post-apocalyptic books, and of course, it's on Audible. But my one of my favorite narrators is Kevin. His name is Kevin Pierce. And it's uh, a lot of, I mean, almost every one of his books I've read, you know, that he narrates, I really get into. Now, there are some narrators that aren't that great, but I really like Kevin Pierce. I guess that's what you're talking about, his books. I kind of came in the middle, so I I hope that's what you all want to discuss. Well, it's close. We're just talking about your favorite narrators that read books, you know, for NLS or... Audible or whatever, however you choose to read your books. Um. Well, there's um, a book I'm getting ready to read here shortly, and unfortunately, I'm going to have to have Lady A read it because uh, it's not on Audible, and it's a book that uh, my history teacher, when I was in school, he read us. 
um, he would uh, you know teach history and then if if we all did well for the last 15 minutes he would read um, a book to us you know and just continue it on and he read books like Day of the Jackal uh, Helter Skelter and the one that I'm uh, going to get ready to read because I finally found that it's available on Kindle and so I'm, I guess I'll have to have Lady A read it to me but it's called The Iron Coffin and it is uh, a, a true story about a World War One German U-boat captain and I just remember the book always kept me on the edge of my seat so I kind of want to revisit that one you know that sounds like my uh, spanish teacher we at the last 15 minutes of the course he would drop the spanish and he would read a book to us and one of the books he read was a, a, a book that was made into a movie and was made into was came, was also a play on broadway and it was called strange interlude it was written by eugene o'neill now he did read us um oh uh the book that you mentioned jeff uh in cold blood Excellent book. Excellent yes. book. Yes. Um, and the, the movie's good, too, and I really like the soundtrack. You know, it's got that it's that jazz soundtrack. I really like that. Uh, in Col- who was in that movie that I remember? There was Robert a, Blake. That's it. Robert Blake was in that movie. I remember that movie as well. Um, I like that, that movie, um, and it was... Uh, what can you say? It was uh, definitely a different book, and, uh, and it was... Uh, it was okay, you know. I, you know, was, I liked the movie as well, but I, the book was better well, than the movie because it, it just the movies never are as good as the book. They just, but they. Well, the was, I'll take exception to that on one, and it's funny that you mention that because my wife and I, I we will read books together. Um, it would but she doesn't like my post-apocalyptic. So when I read those, usually I read, you know, that, and then she'll read her. She likes her Amish books. She likes a lot of those, and but we read Spencer's Mountain together. Which, in case anybody doesn't know, Spencer's Mountain is basically um, the Waltons. It that's what the Waltons TV series is based upon, and it's really weird because um, they changed some of the characters' names for the Waltons. Like in the Waltons, it's John Boy. But in the book, his name is Clayboy. Yeah. Well, so it, John Boy it, sounds it, better than Clayboy. When well, they, when I, and that's what I'm saying. That um, of course, you know, it was adapted from the book, and obviously, I think what it ran for eight or nine seasons or something like that. But I did, I do like the Waltons better. As, well, there for a while, but uh, the Clay, uh, the Spencer's Mountain book was pretty good. She got it off a of bard, and so we read that together. But there you go. <laughs> All right, thank you, Ed. I want to know if any guys you remember remember talking books that actually had sound effects in it. And I'll tell you the book that I remember. It was the story of the building of the Panama Canal and I don't remember who read it <clears throat> but they had the sound effects of ships going through the locks in the canal they actually put sound effects in the talking book and it was called Across the Isthmus and it was a story of the building of the Can- Panama Canal which connected the Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean if I'm not mistaken so 
That's all I remember about that book. I don't remember who read it or or anything else. Go ahead. I think we got Pierre coming. Yeah, I hear him. What was your favorite author, Bill? Your narrator. Uh, I think uh, somebody here with Yvonne Fair Tesler was one of them. And I liked uh, Jill and Jack Fox, too. Good morning, Pierre. Good morning, Pierre. What's up? Uh, yeah, uh, that that one second after that is a fantastic book. Oh I my! That one, but uh, but uh, and then I read one last night. It's called "Touch and Go" by Lisa Gardner. Oh, and <laughs> that was a good book. And. Uh, I guess my two favorite readers, female, would be Madeline Bazard. A good one. And uh, male would be Roy Avers. I always oh, liked yeah. Roy Avers in the in the Blood and Goods books. You know. Oh, he was I always good liked too. the Jonathan Kellerman books that he read. I always thought he read right. job on those. Yeah. Oh, the other good narrator was Pierre was uh, Jennifer. Tell me if you. Tell me if you remember these. Uh, this narrator, uh, and, he, and and I know him because he did commercials, lots of commercials back in the back in the day. Carl Weber was a pretty good talking book reader. Well, I remember him. Have but, you ever uh, seen? Oh, I also like Ray Fougier. Oh, He's that's good. another good oh, yeah. one. We we saw him at the convention one year. He came and spoke at ACB, ACB of Ohio. I think in Indiana we had our convention. Yeah, we've met quite a few of the readers. Uh, uh, I, I remember Mitzi Friedlander. She was sitting there a booth reading, and she came out to talk to us. And I, I said, "Mitzi, what kind of book? What book are you reading?" She said, "It's a bodice ripper." <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. uh, so, and we've met Roy Avers, and we've met. Uh, Chuck Benson and uh, you name them, we met just about all of them. Chuck Benson used to be a radio announcer in, in Texas at one time. I'm sure it's the same guy, P, uh, uh, Pierre. Yeah, probably is. A lot yeah. of good ones. A lot of, lot of good ones. And I know we've got Scott waiting, and we'll be right there. Pierre, what is your? How do you listen to your your talking books? Do you listen? On a machine, I mean the NLS player. Yeah, you, yeah, that's what I use the NLS player. You got a cartridge you get from the library. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then you send them back. That's good. The NASCAR will be up a little bit later today. The podcast. So. Oh okay. Yep. Yeah. That that was a that was really good last night. She did a fantastic job. Yeah, she did. I mean, she made you want to be there. Yeah, yeah. I always wanted to go to a NASCAR race. I have never done that before, but uh, it was. Uh, I I know I watch it on television. I know there are people who say it's boring, but you know what? When because I like to hear the crashes and stuff, but I don't want anyone to get hurt. But I, no. <laughs> I guess I'm a little. <laughs> Jeff, you go to like qualifications or anything. It's amazing when all those cars are on the track. My word, you, I mean, yeah. you can feel it. <laughs> Quite an event. Quite an event. Thank you so much, Mr. Thank 225. You, Pierre. All right, we've got Bill's up 
And we got Bill, followed by Scott, and then Gary. Bill, unmute yourself, please. Yeah, good morning, everybody. It's about 40 degrees here. We're expecting heavy rains tonight with thunderstorms and 50-mile-an-hour winds, they say, and turn to snow. Anyways, uh, as far as books, uh, I read a lot from the NLS, and I'm reading. I just got nine books last week, and I've read four of them so far, but they're really good. I don't... I don't have it in front of me to remember the uh, author, but one is called Clark and Division. It, these, all these books are written somewhere in the 2017, 2018, 2019. But one's called Clark and Division. That's really good because it's, it's the history of um, the Japanese when they were interred uh, during World War II and then after World War II. It's his family moved to Chicago, and they live at Clark and Division. And the thing I like about the book, everything in the book that they give, the address and everything, is true to fact. It's not where they say, I, I walk north on Division Street. Division Street doesn't run north and south. But it, it's really, it's a, it's a murder mystery. The uh, young girl's sister, um, they say she committed suicide jumping from the L. For the subway at Clark and Division, but it's a whole big history of how they had to live and what they had to go through. And then the other one is I just read was really good. Uh, it's called Venging Adam, and it's uh, about a canine uh, dog trainer in that or well a user in uh, Colorado, and it's really it's really a good thrilling mystery about a serial killer I won't go into the whole detail of what the story was because I don't want to spoil it but there's a lot of it's it's got a, a lot of religious background to it the guy does a lot of stuff the killer is uh, based on religion stuff and then the one I'm reading now is really good it's called uh, Dark Sky it takes place in Wyoming where it's a guy that his name is Steve too it's uh, a guy that was went to college, and he is a, I guess, an Internet guy like Steve Jobs, but they called him Steve, too, and he wanted to go elk hunting. And there's a guy that doesn't like it because his, his daughter committed suicide, and they want to kill this guy. We're right now in the middle of their chasing them all over the mountains of Wyoming. Uh, and it, it's really a a good book and that's I, you know, that, I, I read all those books I mean I like, I like mainly the mystery the mystery movie or the mystery uh, books and that that's good um, alright thank you Bill thank you alright Scott can you unmute yourself please and then Gary you'll be next and then Fran will be next okay thanks uh, if I had to pick an all time favorite narrator it would be Bert Blackwell. Oh my. Yeah. Bert Blackwell. <laughs> he way, sounded way old back, back then. <laughs> well you are bringing back some memories there, Scott. It, yeah, and also and of course uh yeah uh, let's say Roy Avers and Bob Askey would be close very close behind. Those are probably my three all time favorites. 
Do you know that they actually made a talking book, Scott, of of uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, of Disney, and, they, and they actually used the soundtrack from the movie as well to to do that talking book? I didn't even know that. But that's I, I have it on real real time. Yeah, I didn't know that. Can you can you can you can you delve into it a little bit for me? Because I I, well, I only remember read it once years and years ago, and maybe yeah, you can talk. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's the actual uh, soundtrack. So where do they have the narration? Where the visual parts were, Tim? There isn't that much narration, which there really isn't that much needed. But um, it's the it's the guy that does the movie things for Disney at least back in there oh he did them back in the 60s oh Dick I forgot his last name he he passed away yeah. a, number of, a number of years ago and his, his his daughter went to school with him he at Syracuse University I know Dick Tufeld yeah yeah that's it anyway and it's it's very well done it was on uh, three wait is that right 333 records yeah 15 minutes aside you know so it's an hour and a half oh very good scott is there a favorite book that you like uh probably if i had yeah the my most favorite novel of probably if would if i had to pick one it was long it was longest i ever read was the stand by stephen king I oh, yeah. went through about half of that, and I just could not finish it. So I'm glad that you oh, have a, you're a better man than I am, Scott. Yeah, it was read. Yeah, it's read by Bruce Hunty. Mm-hmm. It's called the Stand, the Complete Uncut Edition. Wow, yeah. I did like some Steve some Stephen King books. I like Cujo. I like that one. That was pretty good. That was about the dog that went rabid. Um, yeah, that was good. And the uh, that <laughs> also uh, yeah, I'm reading one now read by Martha Harmon Pardee. It's a started reading some James Patterson and I'm reading one called Cradle and All. Oh, there's another good reader whose career was cut short. She was really? another good reader, yeah. Hey Scott, you got anything new lately? Anything you want to talk about? Well, I don't know if I yeah, I may have mentioned that I was going to get it, uh, or I did get it back in uh, late November, the Lyric. I got the Lyric. Oh, there, uh, I found the name of that machine. That's that scanner. How do you like it, Scott? It's it's really nice. It does its thing. It, I mean, it does good. It did find one bug where if you, whenever you re, uh, do multiple page scanning and save to a thumb drive, you would it the way it does, you know, it'll snap a picture of each page, and then you tell it when you're done, and you press press one of the buttons to indicate that you're done, and it'll start start converting them to audio and text on your thumb drive. Mm-hmm. And one thing I found though is that it will, uh, if it encounters pages that are either blank or otherwise difficult to recognize, it will it won't. Uh, it won't skip over or continue on. It'll just, like, abort the process. So you've got to make sure that every page you're going to scan like that is going to, is going to be, is it, is, uh, is it uh, good enough print to be recognized and it's does, not blank. Does the scanner have a hard drive in it? So it can, it can, how many documents can the scan? Like my, doc, my scanner, the one I have from Freedom Scientific, which is the Sarah, which is the automatic reading machine. Oh, Same difference. It, but it stores a you know, huge amount of documents. It, I don't think it has any kind of 
massive storage uh, inside. It's got, I think it does have the ability to save up to four pages. Okay, so you, exactly. it's really made for it's really made for exporting things off there. Okay, right, and, and, or 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 for just reading and you know just scanning and reading. And it can so, do. It doesn't have a thumb drive. I mean, doesn't it also run on a rechargeable battery? Yeah, it does. Yeah, and that seems to be a good battery. Does it have like a platform so you know where to put the page? So you oh yeah, well you, you raise the. There's a or, there's a large uh, arm that you raise. It looks like a great big needle toad arm, toad arm on a turntable that, but with a hook on one end. I guess serves as a handle. It's a real curved hook-like handle. Makes it easier, easy to grab and, and raise up. And then you put the page on the underneath that on a on like a little like a platform type surface and then and then it snaps the picture. You just move your hand, and it's, it detects the page and snaps the picture, and within seconds it starts reading. Very good. And well, I'm glad Scott, that you like it. by the way, if you listen tomorrow night, or we're going to be doing, I don't know how well you like radios, but we're going oh, yeah. to be doing a review of that. a internet radio, two of uh, them over the next two weeks. No, two, two of them. Two of them. One, one is tomorrow night, one next week. Yeah, one this week and one next week. I just got the other one yesterday, so I need a little more time with it. But we'll be doing that. So it's a struggle to make these things accessible. Some things, they're not naturally done. They don't think about us when we do that. But... So be listening for those. I think you'll like those. Yeah, probably will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you, Scott. Thanks. Sorry. Thank Talk you. to y'all later. All right. Now we've got the next one on our list is Gary Keedler. Go ahead, Gary, and uh, mute yourself. Well, hey, everybody. Uh, talking about uh, readers, uh, narrators. Uh, uh I like people like Gabriela Cavallero is one of the newer readers. She's she's a good reader along with uh, Martha Harmon Pardee, Chris Allison, and uh, uh, people like that. And I remember hearing Jack Benson as a DJ back uh, at KBOX. Yeah, that's he, the same uh, guy. I have an air checker. Yeah, somewhere. he uh, did four to seven. He uh, had the Benson <laughs> blast over there, in fact. And Jerry uh, Clemens was the other guy that worked there as yeah, well. Yeah, he did, and. Uh, Bill Holly and um, all sorts of people went through there back in those days. But, uh, yeah, I used to like him. And I think he worked at WMAQ back later in the 60s, but I may be incorrect about that. Ah, very good, Gary. All right, Ed, you're back again. Unmute yourself, please. There we go. Um, I was going to mention really quick, has anybody ever heard of graphic audio? I have, but I've never read, I've never read any of the books with that. that, 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 that it's uh, actually really cool if you have, um, if you have like a Sonos or a Bose or like my wife does, a great big old-fashioned home stereo system. 
Maybe you it's, can explain explain a little yeah. bit about it for those who don't know, uh, Ed. Uh, graphic audio is basically almost kind of like a movie. You know, like watching a movie, but uh, it's got a lot of really good, almost 3D um, sound effects. It's like uh, I read a Western. I can't remember the name of the series. I read a Western like that, and I, I'm not a great big fan of Westerns, but I really like that. It has a lot of really good special effects and good narrators, and um, it's Audible kind of has something like that. They'll have some um, narr- uh, stories like that on Audible now. I don't really consider it graphic audio, but... And I also wanted to mention really quick, too... Um, Another good narrator that I like, and he, he read um, this book series that I really like called The Outage, which was kind of like a, it was basically a, <laughs> a werewolf um, series. And his name is Troy Duran. And when he reads books, he really, like if he reads creepy books, um, he really makes them sound creepy. And then the other book that I read that's really good, a series, it's um, it's called Bad Games. And that one's pretty good. And then I also read um, the last one. If anybody wants a really good psychological thriller, it's called Dark Prophecy. And there's three books in the series. And that one was actually read by, um, oh, um shoot what's his name John um, John Glover which he was an actor he played on uh, Smallville he played uh, Lex Luthor's dad and he did really good at reading that book and then they had a couple other authors read the other two sequels but uh, John Glover really did a good job so if you're looking for a good scare because, I mean, it's really creepy. There are parts of that that are really creepy, but it was probably one of the best psychological thriller books that I've read. So, and that's... Well, you know, you know Ed, you're going uh, to have to uh, come in when Jennifer does her book talk show next next uh, week uh, um, uh, on Tuesday at 5, I believe. Next Tuesday at 5, I think it is, yeah. <laughs> and you'll have to come in and talk about the books uh, that you read on that show. Yeah, it... I've read quite a few good ones. I've read some really bad ones. I'm on one now that, you know, like some books you could really get into, and then there's other books you you can't really get into the characters. I, mean, I think it might be the way the reader reads it or whatever, but... That's it. I like getting... Reading an audio book, the narrator can make or break it. Because there have been some books that I didn't like when I in audio that I ended up reading in Braille, and I thought, that's a good book. <laughs> Yeah, see, I mean, that's, I mean, I, I I can definitely agree with that. And I guess that's why I really like Kevin Pierce. And I mean, if you're, if anybody's into reading post-apocalyptic books, he, he is a very good reader. So, but, okay. Well, All right, that, thank you, Ed. All right, thank you. Y'all have a great day. You too. All right. Bill, I know you have something to say again, and we'll let you talk again. Go ahead, unmute yourself, please. Yeah, real quick. Have any of you ever done the audio script movies? 
No. You know where they describe the movies, the audio description? Oh, yeah. Have you ever listen to those? Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah, oh, I you know mean audio, descri- oh, audio described movies? Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, described movies. I don't know if you ever listened to them or, or heard them because I know there's one internet station that you look at their schedule, they play at least two movies a week. I listen to them now and then. And they do the up-to-date movies. And I, well, to build in mind, I can give you the name of the station. It's mushroomescape.com. Oh, no, I don't know. That. They, they have audio movies on there. Plus, they play old-time radio, but they do audio movies. Uh, they got a schedule and tell you when you do it. And as far as I think it was uh, the guy I was just talking Ed, the a lot of the Amish books, I've read some of them, but the Amish books, when you read them, you got to realize that all Amish communities are not the same, and some of those books aren't written by the Amish. And because I read a few, and I said, oh, that's that's not true, because... I grew up near an Amish community. The, the, the oldest or the most, I'd say, not the oldest, but the, they still live like they did in the 1800s there in Bern, Indiana. That's a big Amish community. And I read a book and somebody wrote that, and I said, no way, that's not, that's not true, because I had friends who were Amish at that time, and I know how they lived because they still live with a single axle buggy and they do not use a covered, it depends on where you're from in the Amish communities like Pennsylvania uses covered buggies certain parts of northern Indiana uses covered buggies they live different lifestyles uh, they're more strict or less strict and and I had a, a real good friend of mine that um, back when we were teenagers, she was Amish, and she she liked me, but I knew I couldn't do anything with her because she had been shunned from her family. Well, she did wind up marrying a friend of mine that uh, was not Amish, and her family, they had to shun her. And she the day she got married, her parents buried her on the farm. That was her grave site. And she would see her mother in town. They couldn't speak to each other. And they had kids and the grandkids. I know went out to see Grandma and Grandpa, but on, on the sly, so they wouldn't get shunned out of the church. But no, the Amish, the Amish, it depends on where you live, what sect you're with in that, because see, there's the Amish, the Mennonites, and the Hittites. The Amish, they, live, they don't believe in banking or any of that kind of stuff. The... Mennonites are a little more modern. They they'll have a car, and that and then there's a called the Hittites. The Hittites is a is a, is a communion or a uh, community. Everybody shares everything. It all belongs to the the church or the community. So, I mean, it, it's a whole. The Amish is a whole big history. It's not just one one sect of people. What about when you go to and Indiana, when you go to those shows with your daughter? Isn't that an Amish community as well? Uh, yeah, the one in Shipshawana, right, that is an Amish community. But, see, the, the Amish live around it, but they follow, the, the, the town follows the Amish way of life. In other words, stores close at 6 in the evening. They're not open on Sundays. 
There's no taverns, no liquor in the area. They will not allow them. They can't have them. And, and they still have, you'll, you'll be there, and they still got the horse and buggies right up and down the, the streets and the roads. I mean, they, they come into town. They got their, their stores. They come in the stores and that. In fact, I got, I met a couple people down there. They were, they're Amish. We've become friends. I mean, I, whenever I go down there, we always, we always go see them or they, they know we're in town and they'll come over and visit with us. And of course, they got their horse and buggy. And, of course, their kids, they think it's great when I come because I can tell them all about the outer world, Chicago. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's, it's interesting, and it, it's one of those things because I was born, well, I, was, I, was, I was raised exactly one step above Amish. In other words, we weren't Mennonites. Our, my parents was real religious. We had a car, but never a brand-new car. You went to church every Every Sunday, twice a day, you went to church in the middle of the week, what they called prayer service. You attended Bible school through the through the summer, and I mean it was just. And you never never smoked, never drank. Of course, I'm not saying everybody followed it, but that that was their their uh, whole thing. But I meant so my whole family was one step one step above Amish. They were my dad's side of the family was actually apostolic, which is. Um, branch a little more modern branch of the Amish all right so, I, mean, very... I know the Amish frontward and backwards so <laughs> but some of the books you read you gotta if you don't if you, you, you don't believe everything in that book because some of that stuff is not written by Amish people okay that's it all right thank you Bill boy did we drift far away Have we got any more raised hands, Jeff? No, not right now. Um, Jeff, something that that we've that we just read about the other day, and I thought we might as well get this point in real quick here before we go back to the phone calls, and that's this new toll-free service that Uber is rolling out to where you can use your phone and get a ride with uber you yeah it's at one eight three three use uber and it's it's not in the whole country but it's in selected areas i know it's in arizona i know it's in florida and i know it's in california um but it's going to be available uh, nationwide at some point they'll be rolling it out so if you don't want to use the uber app but you feel that you need to talk to someone to get your ride uh you can do it however you do have to have an iphone or a, a phone of some sort, whether it right. be an iPhone or an Android or a blind shell or whatever phone you need that can take text messages because they'll send you a message telling you that that your trip has been confirmed and then they'll send you a message that will tell you that your car is has, is arriving. Yeah, what is that phone number again, Tim? one 1-833-USE-873, and how do you spell Uber? <laughs> I don't know. It's, I, I'm just used... Use Uber. Is the, is the, if you look at your phone and dial all those letters, U-S-E-Uber. Tim knew it before the show. Yeah, I know he did. Yeah. I, I think Tim stepped away for a minute. All right. We, uh, we have that. two hands raised. Okay. And I believe 623. I think that may be Joni, but I'm not sure. But go ahead, the 623 area code. Go ahead, unmute yourself, and then we'll take you and Don after that. Go ahead, please. It is Joni. 
I knew. I can't believe it. I remember that. How you doing, Joni? I'm doing great. Um, what time is the book club going to be on? I just, I'm such an avid reader, and I can't wait to get into your book club, Jennifer. Uh, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Which would be what? Two o'clock two, your two, time? Um, two, two o'clock in the afternoon your time, Joni. No, three. Three. Uh, three o'clock. You're two right. hours two behind hours. the Phoenix? We're, okay. we're on mountain time. Okay. But we don't change our times, but everybody else does. But So we have to go along with everybody. So it would be three o'clock. Oh, that would be great. And it's on Tuesday? Right. Tuesday. And Nolan Crabb will be co-hosting with Jenny. So fantastic! I, 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 I'm an avid reader of the DB Book Review, and I run a book club too. Well, you can help out. I'll be glad to. And gladly so, yeah. And things do it okay for you, Joan. You sound really good today. You sound really good. It's uh, glad to hear you again. Oh, thank you. Well, I've been, um, I'm learning to use my new computer. Uh, I learned how to use, finally, learned how to use the Braille e-reader, and I am having such a ball with it. And my life is very, very good. Still listening to your old-time radio? Of course. (laughs) Of course. That wouldn't change, Bill. I know some people were having trouble getting, what is it called, YUSA, let's see. Yesterday USA, well, you know, their whole station um, blew up. And so they had to build it from the bottom up. So, but it's coming back, um, and they have, several different stations on their network and um, it, it's a little bit slow in coming back to us but you can listen to it on the A-Lady and um, hopefully very soon um, it's going to be back on the Victor stream and uh, it's coming along so, does Larry and John still run it, or? Walden Hughes runs it and with Larry and John, and um, it's going to be bigger and better. Let's hope so. And so I'm on there uh, a lot. Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday night, we do trivia, and we have really a fun time. And... Uh, so, Joni, let's say I wanted to one of my stations. I've got the legend here, but I've also got a thing that I'm getting ready to put, Old Time Radio. What if I wanted to join their network? Is it hard to do that, or do they? is it just their station they want? Well, you know what? I would talk to Walden about that. Uh-huh. He's the one that that's the person to talk to. Um, I certainly can give you his number. 
I'll give you a call. Maybe that'd be better. Okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah, that would maybe better, but we've we want to play some old time we want I mean I've got my own collection it's not a problem but old time radio it's kind of like music you know if you don't have any personality behind it you know you could play old time radio 24 hours but if you're not you're not creative or you don't have you know the personality behind the shows and about the show you you know what I'm saying. You have yeah. to. Yeah. So well, um, they're they're rebuilding the station, and they don't have their uh, disc jockeys. Well, that's not really what they are, but they sort of are. Um, they don't have them on the on the thing yet, but they will. It's, it's it just takes time because the whole thing broke down. But they've got it up and running and certain things now. Gosh, how long has Bill Bragg been passed? When did he pass away? I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be three years. Um, not sure exactly when. Uh, well, I mean, he died. I think on June twenty eighth, twenty twenty nineteen. Hmm, right before the pandemic. Was he running the station right up until the end? His wife really was running it. He wasn't doing live shows anymore. Um, No, I think that she was doing most of everything. I'm not quite sure because I listened to the station from time to time. um, But Bill Bragg was not one of my favorite. And I know I can tell you right now that that from other blind people who, who, right. who used to, I shouldn't say this, but but he's gone, and I'm, I'm going to say that what I've heard from other people that he was not the nicest guy to people who were blind who would talk to him. That's all I can tell you. I talked to him. To blind people. I talked to him a couple times, and um, he would threaten me about this, that, and the other, and then he'd call me and say. Will you help this person with old time radio or do this or do that? So I don't even think he remembered doing it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember. No, I think him. he was yeah. the one thing he was having I think that he was uh he had dementia and he was dyslexic to begin with. Because he never could really read anything properly. Well, I know he was pretty jealous, too. Pretty what, Jennifer? Say that again, please. I know he was pretty jealous, too. I remember him accusing somebody of trying to hit on Kim or something. And Oh, yeah. Oh, Gino? yeah. He was, he was really not a yeah. very nice. <laughs> Do you know who I liked on that old-time radio channel? It was a, a guy from out in Hollywood. His name was Frank Brzee. I know he's passed away a long time ago, but I liked his stuff that he would put on that ch- on that channel. If you remember him. But. Oh, he was wonderful. Oh, he wonderful. used to be on uh, Yesterday USA on Sunday nights sometimes. I would hear him on right. there. Right, Frank Rizzi from Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he is on there. He yeah. had a lot of the people. 
He really did. He, and he was a good broadcaster in his own way. But as far as maybe some other skills, but you know, he was a good broadcaster. There's no question. And of, he was a nice guy too. Joni, I bet you missed the Spurvac conventions out in New Jersey. No, we had FOTR, Friends of Old Time Radio, in New Jersey. Yeah, I mean, Friends of Old Time Radio. I bet you missed all that. Yeah. Oh, those conventions were fantastic. I had such a wonderful time. So I didn't didn't go to too many of them. But when I could get there, and it was ironic because I lived in New Jersey... I didn't live that far from where the convention was being held, but I couldn't get there because of transportation problems. But I mean, you got to meet Stan Freeberg, and you got to meet some famous radio, old-time radio people. That did you enjoy? And I know you enjoyed that. Oh, I love meeting all these people. Yes, I met a lot of. Um, yes, I met Stan Freeberg. That was at a spurred that convention. I I did go to to one or two of those. And I met B. Wayne, the singer, who was married to Andre Bruch. Um, I met, at the FOTR, I met Elliot Reed, actor, and what a voice. Oh, and Elliot Reed was so nice, and I told him that in the show Three Skeleton Key, which Reed had also done on suspense or escape or whatever I told Elliot Reed that he was better than Vincent Price <laughs> which I really still think he was in that role um, and so he was so nice and he gave me his phone number and we would talk on the phone from time to time and oh he was a sweetheart all the old-time radio people were so nice, so down-to-earth, and real people. You know, they didn't put on airs. They were just like, I mean, they, they just, they helped blind people, and, and they were just so, you know, real people. Did you get to meet Jackson? Like did you meet Jackson Beck at all? No, I didn't get to meet Jackson Beck, unfortunately. I heard he was... I, he was, I know people who knew him who said he was one of the nicest people you'd ever want to know. That's what I heard. Yeah, I think he was supposed to come to one of the FOTRs, and he became quite ill and then passed away suddenly. A lot That's of what would people. happen yeah. at the meeting... At you go to a convention, and like Lon Clark, who played Nick Carter for all those years, and also the Comic Weekly Man, um, we were supposed to have him at a convention, and we went to the convention, and Lon Clark had passed away that morning. Wow. Oh, awful. And I'm familiar with Lone Clark. And uh, the other, the other old time radio person I liked was the was the was the guy who was married to Dorothy Kilgallen, Richard Comar, who played Boston Blackie. Right, he did. 
And when I was growing up, we used to listen to Dorothy and Dick every morning on WOR. And, uh, Eight fifteen to nine. My my mom tells me about listening yeah, to it. Right. I don't really remember her remember them, but my mom would tell me about it, Joni. And there aren't that many of those shows available on uh, transcription that we can hear. There's only maybe one of them that I that, that I found. And the, and but but I do remember hearing the show on recording. But my parents. Oh, tell I think me, that John and Larry Gassman have several. Oh, well, good. Maybe I can get in touch with them because I know that. I, I can tell you right now that my parents used to love listening to Dorothy and Dick. But then again, they, my, my mom was really the WOR person. So she would like the people like Dorothy and Dick and Bill and uh, Bill, I'm sorry, Albert and Dora McCann. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, people like uh, Martha Dean um, and, and you know, uh, the Ed, Ed and Peggy Fitzgerald. Uh, so we're, 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 I don't want to lose all your listeners, Bill, but Joan and I are, are doing some reminiscing about uh, a radio station that we really enjoyed back then. So, Joni, yes, thank you. Yes, W-O-R was good. Well, you're more than welcome. And so I will hope, I'm glad that the book club's going to be at 3 o'clock my time on Tuesday because... That'll be a good time for me to come into it because oh, I am just... Oh, good. And we look forward oh, to having you. And you remember Thank Nolan, you. I think, so... Yeah. I think you'll find it pretty good because you can get a lot of a lot of great a lot of great knowledge there and all I get to do is push buttons. So... <laughs> well... You know. Uh, I know uh, there are a lot of people that are avid readers as I am and I'm looking forward to it Jennifer, thank you for starting it alright, we'll see you then Joni, okay, thank you very much thanks Joni, bye 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 -bye. right. next next on the list is um, Don out in North Hollywood, go ahead Don unmute yourself please okay, I'm not sure if Sandy is with me here or not yeah, I'm here (laughs) oh yeah, uh so before I get on to something else, I uh, we were hoping to get uh, to listen to the uh, uh, the first show of that uh, book club next week, but unfortunately we may end up uh, Sandy may end up going to the doctor, and of course uh, her fiance and and guide <laughs> uh, I'll end up going with her. So are you guys going to do this as a podcast? Uh, Yes, once we get everything straight, but yes, we will do it as a podcast. Uh, great, yeah, so hopefully we can get in on it. We're going to try and rearrange uh, the doctor's schedule for him or something. We're <laughs> so going to try to get, get another, another appointment. Yeah. We didn't pick us up on time yesterday. Yeah, now we had trouble with our ride there. So. <laughs> Uh, Sandy, what was your, what's your favorite reader? You know, uh, getting back to the. Oh, one of them was House Davidson. Yeah, oh, yeah, you got it. Yeah, I love that, Sandy. Oh, he was so good. I read Gone with the Wind. He acted that book out with with Scarlet cried. He cried. It was awesome. It was. A, <laughs> Oh, he was a good reader. That was the first book yeah, I know. read by him was Gone with the Wind, Sandy, and I remember it quite well, and I had to read it because it was a school assignment at the time. Oh. I remember some of the real... That's great. 
They didn't let yeah, he did a lot of television, too, a daytime television. Uh, you probably never noticed him if you were a watcher of Dark Shadows. He was the judge on one of the episodes of that. I don't think he had much to say. Oh, yeah. But he was a good reader, yes. Uh, oh, that gun with the wind, that was awesome. Oh. But, you know, all of us have been it talking was- about narrators, and not one person has mentioned one who was truly a master of his art. And I had to suffer through uh, it because I had to take a course in college reading War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy. Oh and that narrator who read the Bible, the complete Old and New Testament. Oh, Alexander Scorby. Alexander Scorby, yes. Alexander Scorby, yeah. Yeah, I liked him and uh, Guy Sorrell. There was a guy named Andy Chappelle also that I There was another really one from Louisville, I think. Early one. But my favorite guy of all was a guy named uh, Patrick Horgan. He read all the nautical books, or at least <laughs> Captain Blood and uh, J- the Jamaica Inn and things the like that. Uh, he was a—he was an actor too. He acted in some shows uh, on television. He did an early episode of High Chaparral. Uh, uh, he was on Cimarron Strip. Uh, he was a, a newspaper reporter on that. And uh, the last thing I saw him on was he played General Braddock in that. Uh, uh, thing on George Washington that they did on PBS. He was in, he was General Braddock. Well, you got but a good I mean, memory. You got a good memory, by the way. And uh, oh, were you the one that was asking me, Don, about British British radio announcers? And I do have something that I can play for you in the future. All things radio live. Oh yes, yes, I was the one about uh, John Ravenscroft. I think was uh, the one I heard. I'm sure there were others. Yeah, there were others, and the, uh, there's one that, that was from Britain, and he worked at KHJ. His name is Tommy Vance, and I'll, uh, I'll try to get that out for you in a future All Things Radio live broadcast. Okay, well, I'll sure be listening for it. Sandy, do you have a favorite book? I guess that was Gone with the Wind, probably. Gone uh, with the Wind, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, mine was, I guess, uh, I, well, I have many favorites, but I guess one of my earliest was uh, Mutiny on the Bounty, that, that entire trilogy. That's what got me into the NLS talking book program to start with, because uh, uh, that trilogy came out about the time the movie with uh, Marlon Brando came out, 63. And uh, so I was hooked on those for a long time. <laughs> uh, C.S. Forsters and uh, Alexander Kent and uh, Jeremiah O'Brien, guys like that. Uh, also like Clive Kessler, too, as to that. I like the books. I read the Narnia books series. I yeah, she turned me on to it. <laughs> Milton Metz. Yes. Oh. He was a good reader, too. Okay, he also came out of Louisville, Kentucky, as well. He did. Did a talk show at night. On WHAS. On w- as right. a matter of fact, we featured. Remember we did that on yeah. Old Radio, Bill? Uh, he interviewed uh, Muhammad Ali, but it was Cam- yeah. back, back then. It was called it was Cassius Clay, but we I did remember whole they thing did, on him. they would record that oh, and yeah. they did those beeps in the call. Yeah, I remember that. We're going to flip the script just a second here, and you can, Don and Sandy, you can be first. Is there a reader that you remember that just ruined books or was just so bad that just ruined? Oh yes. <laughs> You would have to. You would remind me of him. There was a Western guy, or well, he read a lot of westerns, and I think he read some science fiction. A guy named Charlie Ryle. 
That was about the worst narrator I ever heard. I'm, I'm sure people have them, too. No, he, he couldn't have been worse than Bob Boots, who would read a book, but he had no expression. It was just like he, I was hearing a robot. He, would just, he could read, but he, he had no expression. Who's that yeah, old guy that read the Jack Reacher books? Bill? Oh, he made those bad. The guy that read those. Oh, my. What was his name? I read the, started to read the first one, and I had to get it in Braille, even finish it, or look for it on Audible. I he think his terrible. name was George somebody. I can't remember his... Not George Holmes, is it? I don't know. <laughs> but he sounded so old. <laughs> Nothing wrong with sounding old, but he... he I don't like think... He forgot to put his false teeth in or something. <laughs> Yeah. All right, thank you, Don. Um, there was a, did you know that there was a reader of talking books? I know, I know, he read at least one. I don't think I don't know if you read any others, but I read the Tom Sawyer book by Tom by right by Tom by Mark Twain, <laughs> and you know who read? Do you know who narrated that book, Jennifer? Who Mark Twain? No, he's he would have been dead long before the. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that, Jennifer. But the guy who read the book, and I wouldn't have thought that he would have been a good reader, was Bud Abbott. You've heard of Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Oh, yeah. He was a talking book reader, and he read that book out of Lee. He went to Louisville, Kentucky, and he read well, that book. Well, you know, there's another one that narrated a movie, and I'm trying to remember what it was. Maybe it's A Beautiful Life or Wonderful Life. George Bush. President Bush, and he was yes, very and he good at it. he did fantastic on that. He did the audio description for It's a Wonderful Life. He did a very good job on that. I remember that quite well, Jennifer. Yeah. Gary, can you unmute yourself, please? Sorry about that. I was uh, swallowing some water. Uh, talking about uh, bad readers, one of them was uh, Donald Hotailing. Uh, <laughs> I remember reading Future Shock in the 70s, read by that guy. Oh, man, I had to slog through that, read by him. <laughs> but I, uh, I, have a, I used to have a record that had, it was an instruction record that came with my old talking book machine. And on one side, it was Alexander Scorby reading the instructions. And on the other side, it was Edward R. Murrow who was uh, doing kind of like testimonials and the early history of uh, talking books and stuff. It was really cool. And uh, I, uh, I think it was the 25th anniversary recording or something of that. Um, but uh, I, uh, I used to play that every now and then because, you know, they were like, this, I remember there was one guy named Sid I really love my talking book, and it was great. I mean, it was, a, you know, I hope that that was that was digitized because that was really cool. This is how the talking book sounds when one of the belts is going bad. I remember that. I remember one of those instruction records. They had all the kinds of sounds a machine would make. Yeah, right. right. Boy, and they were talked about the slow blow. The one I had talked about the slow blow fuses you had to replace. Oh. Uh, cause I don't know, go wooden ones first. 
which goes way, way back you know, to the early 60s. And uh, there was a great trick you could run radios through. We just stuck something uh, like a patch cord halfway into the headphone jack, and he could run through, step through the speaker. <laughs> and it was great. I mean, people used to do that all the time. You know, you didn't, you didn't have to turn it on. You would just run through the speaker itself. And, you know, I mean, those old AM stations sound pretty good, I got to say. Hey, thank you, Gary. Sure. All right, Joe Sorensen, you're next again. Yes, good Good morning. Anyway, what uh, Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, the one talking book reader that I heard is uh, Bill Lipton reading, reading, reading both books, and he was super great. He put all the voices and characters in it. You talk about living drama. And then another talking book reader, Milton Metz, he also had a talk show on WHAS in Louisville, Kentucky. But I, I, I don't have a nomination for the worst reader. It's just the way that that is. And <laughs> so anyway, I had to actually uh, just put that in there. It's actually good days. Now, Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, I read that both in, in talking book and Braille, even though I, I love the, the narrators and stuff. Sounds so it's, good, it, Joe. It's just something special. Braille is beautiful. To actually, that's just the, the way that it is. But but actually, to read both books in in both format, it is it is interesting. So, because I was a kid, boy, Mark Twain and those, those books with just. Fabulous! It was like eating chocolate cake. Reading. <laughs> Very good, Joe. Guy, I'm. I'm not like I said. I'm not an avid reader, but but I did. I do remember that I had to read books when I went to the school for the blind. And <laughs> that's true. Miss Margaret would get upset with me when I didn't want to read them. So English teachers have a bad habit of doing that. Yeah, teachers. Yeah, they, they they certainly do, and. I didn't like reading, and uh, I, well, I didn't like her as a teacher. And, and we, I've talked about her occasionally, but I, I didn't like her as a teacher. And uh, and the more she got on my case, the, 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 the more I rebelled and wouldn't do the work for her. So <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have sleep timers in those days, did they, Jeff? No, no, no so sleep right, timers. Uh, but my, but, the, but the thing would but what, what saved me, Joe and Ellen, is that my parents hated her too. Oh wow! Well, well, that's, that's so David. You, when you got your parents on your side, oh, <laughs> they were definitely on my side, and that's why I moved to another school because they just couldn't stand her anymore. Even though, even though I was out of her class by the time they moved me to the new school, they felt the damage was too much. So, uh, so that that was the whole thing. I, and I, I, I'm sure she was a good lady in her own right, but we just not, did not see eye to eye, and unfortunately, that's a, pardon the pun, but we just did not get, we just did not click, and. You know, my sister was a teacher in the New York City school systems for like 32, 33 years or something like that. I forgot how many years it was. And she said, if you get a bad teacher, that ruins your whole year in school, and there's not much that you can do about it. That that's the problem. So, well, We had uh, the Minnesota Braille and Sight Saving School in Faribault, Minnesota. The principal of the school taught algebra. <laughs> and I, I actually don't mind saying this in my own I, I I I flunked algebra, but there were four of us who flunked it that year. So, and then he comes back. I, I've seen some of you last year, and fortunately, all all four of us passed it the second year. Now he also taught. He 
you know, they, they, they switched teachers around different things. At one time, he was a house father at West Cottage, and he also taught a, a FIAD class. And he, he was creative because uh, we had we had basketball rim and we were doing a basketball and, and, and he did we, we did a little version of what was called uh, touch football so and track and all that stuff but but an actually a creative guy he was he was good at the science class but but algebra they actually academically we had to pass algebra in those days to graduate from that school <laughs> And none of us use, we, we don't use algebra. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you, Joe. You're a, you're a wealth of fun listening to you talk about the old days. Looks like we got uh, Mr. 225 ready to come back. Uh, yeah, and I don't know if you want to play that thing that I gave you, but I'll t- oh, go yeah, ahead. Oh, yeah, we will. Talk, we'll uh, take that, and then we'll play that. I almost called you I touch. I'm sorry. Go ahead, uh, Pierre. <laughs> But uh, yeah, one of one of my favorite books uh, is a book called The Tower, and uh, it was the book that created the movie Towering Inferno, and uh, that was a fantastic book. I've read it twice. Uh, I probably read anywhere from two to three hundred books a year. I would say. Wow, that's a lot of reading, Pierre. And y'all were talking about terrible uh, readers. I don't know what the guy's name is, but I, I was reading a book, a series called the Chet and Bernie series. And and the last two books that have come out, this guy is awful. He is terrible. In fact, I, that's my favorite series. And I almost sent the, the last book back that the reader was so bad. Understood, Pierre. That's terrible when they do that. I wish. That's why I'm glad to see more uh, of the series where they divide them up, where they have one book that's got four or five different books in it, so the same person gets to read them. Well, yeah. they're, also, they're also not using just uh, people who are hired by 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 the Nash NLS. They're using Audible books now, and which is m- making it a lot different. It's a lot. It's much different than it was back then, Jenny. Well, the thing is, Jennifer, you know, you 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 get uh, a series, and you read say ten books in the series, and you get used to that reader's style and how he says certain things and all that, and then all of a sudden they change, and oh. it's just not the same. Oh, it's terrible, and especially if it's a book that's if they're written like in the first person, that narrator becomes that character sometimes, and that's who you associate with that person. It's like, boy, they switch readers, and it messes up the whole thing. I think what we're going to do, Jeff, and thank you, Pierre, what we're going to do is maybe, Chris, are you prepared to do your thing now, and then I'll run the the tribute to the Minnesota Talking Book Service? Yes. It's, let me, hang on just a second. Let me get it pulled up. And I'll just let you know, it's only about 8 minutes and 30 seconds. So oh, is that all it is? It. Okay, well, yeah, we got plenty I didn't, of time. I, I didn't know how you wanted to do it, Bill. So. Yeah, no, let's go ahead and do that then now. Chris, start pulling up, and you'll okay. be ready in 8 minutes. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you make me lunch today, Chris, too. All right, here we go. This is... 
Tim Oney is near and dear. I used to listen to this service for books to be read. So I thought it was 28 minutes here. I was looking at it, and no, it's only eight. Eight minutes and 30 seconds, I think. Here we go. Let's begin another edition of our popular history segment, Minnesota Now and Then. You're listening to a demonstration broadcast of the Minnesota State Services for the Blind Radio Talking Book Network, a joint undertaking of St. John's University, Collegeville, Minnesota, the Ham Foundation, and the state agency. This system is provided for persons whose visual or physical circumstances prohibit their effective use of printed material. That is a clip from November the 4th, 1969. Back then, we were a newspaper reading country. There was the morning newspaper and the evening edition. Today's stories were always a big topic of conversation. But if you were blind or visually impaired, newspapers were not immediately accessible until Radio Talking Book. Here to talk about the birth of this essential service is Joseph Papke. He's the supervisor of Radio Talking Book in St. Paul. Joseph, welcome to the program. Thank you, Kathy. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, this was a revolutionary program at the time. Tell me a little bit about it. It's the very first thing of its kind in the in the country. As your the the clip you just played from 1969 uh, demonstrates, uh, the first radio reading service for the blind. We went on air um, earlier that year, January 2nd, 1969. So we've we've just had our 54th anniversary earlier this month. And uh, the purpose was to make uh, current print available, print materials available uh, to people who would otherwise have um, some, uh, some, some setbacks through either blindness or any other kind of print disability. So we we had uh, you know the the state services for the blind in partnership with uh, the Ham Family Foundation had created the uh, what became known later as the Communications Center, a public private partnership that was putting textbooks into Braille and and making uh, certain materials available by audio. At that time, sending out little uh, green uh, record discs, basically, as was the uh, as was the the medium at the time. But our our uh, our, our director uh, during that during that period, um, C. Stanley Potter, uh, had the idea of could we put something on the radio to make this as absolutely accessible as as possible. And and it, it ended up going forward, going on the air in 1969. As I say, the first of its kind in the country, and it inspired a lot of other radio reading services around the nation to spring up following our example. So we're very very proud, uh, Minnesota Radio Talking Book, to have to have been the first. And we should say, and not to pat ourselves on the back here, but at Minnesota Public Radio, uh, the deal was to broadcast this on a sub-channel of NPR, and I believe yes. the very first broadcast came from St. John's University. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, that's that's very true. Before it was called Minnesota Public Radio, but yes, KSJR FM at up at up at Saint uh, up at Saint John's, which is I mean, classical music and, and and other things like that, which later in the in the seventies became Minnesota Public Radio. So we, our two uh, institutions we started out together back in the day. Yes. Let's take another listen to that little demo tape. This is from again nineteen sixty nine. Travel Buff isn't neglected by the Radio Talking Book Network. Indeed, five hours a week are devoted to a program, World Safari. 
A recent book read on World Safari was The Blue of Capricorn by Eugene Burdick. Here is Neil Duffy reading a segment of that book. The Pacific is enormous, plural, contradictory. One aches for limitations, for boundaries that reduce the sensation of awe. For each person, the limits are different. For some people, the Pacific is no larger than a tiny village, a strip of white sand, a reef. For a tiny group, that inquisitive body of oceanographers, the Pacific is illimitable. So great is their curiosity that their Pacific runs from the Bering Strait to the glittering ice cliffs of Antarctica. Clearly, those who read early on had great radio voices. What are your most popular programs? Oh, my goodness. Well, the most popular thing that we do are the live morning papers. Every day from uh, 7 to 9 a.m., we're reading the Star Tribune and Pioneer Press. That gets uh, the most people tuning in and the most downloads. So a two-hour live reading back and forth between uh, a staff broadcaster and a volunteer. Most of our programs here are recorded by volunteers, but we do do the papers live. So that that gets uh, the most listeners, as it has a sort of day-by-day priority and usefulness. It's that day's paper, uh, of course. I I have to comment, that's so great, uh, that that clip you just played, uh, World Safari. We we still have World Safari. It plays Fridays at 3 p.m., so we're still reading travel sections and and articles from National Geographic and all, all Condé Nast Traveler, all, all sorts of things like that. Still doing it. And you, of course, have folks reading books. I did that for a time. I was a volunteer at Radio Talking Book, uh, which I found hard to do. It's hard to read a book to others. Maybe that was just me. How do you choose your books? It's kind of the favorite part of my job. I read a lot of book reviews, everything in local press and national press. Sometimes I, I hear about things listening to NPR as it as it happens. I was listening, oh gosh, maybe last spring or early summer and heard an interview with Heather Havareski, her, her memoir, Foreverland, and she sounded so interesting, and so I, I, I ordered it for the station. So I, you know, I have a, a, a list. We do 11 hours of books every day, and it's pretty evenly split between fiction and nonfiction, but we just fill out those categories in terms of popular fiction or thrillers or romance novels, and and I I go through and read all the reviews and see what's getting good press and what sounds interesting. We we do have a special focus on uh, Minnesota uh, published books and Minnesota authors as well. And uh, ideally, things that may not be available um, commercially as as uh, as audiobooks. There's a lot of that these days, but we we try to get some titles in there that you can't find anywhere else as well. Now, before you go, obviously, there's a lot of competition these days. How do you stay relevant? That's a great question um, because there, there's no shortage of ways for for people to to access um, certainly things like live news through through the internet. But the purpose of a radio reading service is very specifically to make printed material available. So things like the daily newspapers that that's a great example of. There's not going to be a, a, um, a an audio book of that. There are some papers that have AI voices that you can listen to articles that way, um, but we we see our job as as you know making what is exactly re- available in print to anyone else uh, available to to someone with blindness or other print disability could be something like the neurodiversity spectrum or developmental disability or simply not you know not having the ability to hold the hold the the 
the book itself. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, staying staying relevant by today's paper, I guess, is my best answer for that. All right. Well, Joseph, uh, good work. Thank you for all the good work that you and your team have done over the years, and thanks for the conversation. My pleasure, Kathy. Thank you. Joseph Papke is supervisor of Radio Talking Book in St. Paul. Now, for more information about state services for the blind, including Radio Talking Book, you can visit mnssb.org. By the way, those audio clips we shared, well, they're part of the NPR archive. You can follow the NPR archive on Twitter to hear more timely historical audio clips. That's at NPR archive. Well, there you go. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, Tim, thank you. That was a great service. And it still is. Yeah. They they did a good job, and I uh, used them a lot. Um, we were my mom and dad are blind. We're, we're blind also, and um, so we got one of the first radios that they made available. Actually, we got a test. We had to test it in the late late nineteen sixty eight, and that was kind of fun. It was a subcarrier radio, right? Yeah, actually, the first radios they sent out were modified. They were an AM/FM table radio from Panasonic that they took all the knobs off of and put a big plastic sheet over the the dial plate and drilled the hole for the volume knob, and that was all you had was a on-off volume knob. And then there was a switch on the back of it for the main channel, which was KSJN, Minnesota Public. Well, back then it was Minnesota Educational Radio, but or the Radio Talking Book. And uh, now, let me I, ask you a question: Did you modify that radio by taking the sheet off and uh, b- and being able to get to that tuning knob so that you could tune around that radio oh, so you could hear? I, it? I would never have done such a thing. Oh, yeah. how could you were, say? They were they were a pretty good radio, and it was interesting to tune around on the subcarrier band. <laughs> um, we had uh, well a little later, a few a uh, year or two later, we had the Physicians Radio Network, and uh, of course a couple of different Muzak services. One of them was actually Muzak, and the other one I can't remember what it was called. Mm-hmm. We had our, I remember Tim, but we had a, a thing called Storecast, and it would play background music, and then you'd hear commercials for PNC Supermarket that that you would hear in the store. Did you have that as, out there as well? Um, not that I know of. Um, I think both of the stations that we had were um, were just background music strictly and then we also had one of the stations had abc news on their subcarrier so you got all the the five abc networks information contemporary entertainment i can't remember what the other oh fm i don't remember what the other one was i think it was just regular abc okay the only reason I know that, there was another one in New York City, and if you were near airport, they had these radios in the airplane uh, that as you were getting to the airport, there was a, it was a thing called News Rad. And what it would do, it, was give, it would give you the weather forecast and the news headlines for the particular city you were going to. It, it did not last, but it was, it was definitely there. And, of course, you know, Tim, there were two subcarriers for every radio station. If they were in mono, there was 37 and, uh, 67 and 38 kilohertz subcarriers for the radio stations, but... 
you don't see that anymore. So WEVD in New York, FM had the, um, the Physicians Radio Network, and then they had this thing for the Chinese community that ran 24-7 called Chunghua Broadcasting. So that you bring back some memories for me, Tim. Good stuff. Let's bring on Chris now. We don't want to shortchange Chris, do we, Jeff? No, no. Because I, I always get hungry, even though I know I can't make half the stuff she cooks because my hands are burnt. Never go ahead, Chris. I know okay. you got an issue. This is lemon pepper chicken. It serves eight. Um, I'm cutting out here. Hang on. Two tablespoons of butter. Two-thirds cup Italian salad dressing. Two lemons zested and juiced. Or... I used just two tablespoons of real lemon juice out of the bottle. Two tablespoons Worcestershire sauce. Sixteen chicken tenderloins. And lemon pepper to taste, and I usually just liberally coat it. Onion powder and garlic salt if you want it, and that's also to taste. Preheat your oven to 350 degrees. Place the butter in a 9 by 13 pan and put it in the oven for about 5 minutes to melt. Mix in your Italian salad dressing, Worcestershire sauce, and lemon juice. Arrange the chicken tenders in the bake in the baking dish, uh, you know, just in the butter mixture. Uh, Sprinkle with lemon pepper, and if you want to, you can turn it over and sprinkle the other side as well. And sprinkle with your lemon zest if you're going to use that. And bake 25 to 30 minutes in a preheated oven. And that's it. Just uh, You can use skinless, boneless chicken breasts or thighs if you don't have the tenders. Just You just don't need as many. I was going to say, that would be a Dave Rickard meal, 16... 16 chicken I thought you said 16 Of course, the tenderloins, you know, they're real small. Yeah, they're oh. not big. I've had them before. That sounds good, though. It sounds good, Chris. You always give good give uh, good recipes, even though I, I may never cook them, but mm. yeah, they're always good recipes. Sounds oh, like you can make that. A Dave Rickard. <laughs> well, don't, don't bet. Hey, we should start a new don't feature. Don't when you, with a with an easy recipe every week, saying even Jeff can make it. <laughs> I don't know. With those soft hands, he probably can. How we about can't. cooking with Jeff? Yeah, oh. there you go. cooking with Jeff. Oh he does cook though. He he's got he's a one trick pony. He cooks in that oven, and he. I cook, do the oven. You know, I don't use the top chicken. of my stove that much, Chris. I mean, I can. Uh, but I don't, and, and it is a glass top stove, and I know how to re- measure where the burner is and stuff like that. But I m- mainly broil and bake stuff in the oven. That's you what know he does. How I, uh, how I uh, play songs that are kind of related to topics sometimes. Yeah. I think we'll start off the show today with Something Burning by Kenny Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking, and I, I forgot which, which Paul McCartney album it's on. It, it, I know it's not Ram, but it's one of his albums that, that Linda sings Linda sings the song, uh, his wife sings the song, Cook of the House. And I don't, I don't remember what album it's on. And would you play that one song for Jeff? Uh, what is it? The 142nd fastest gun in the West. Oh, no. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I'll play yeah. that for Jeff. You know what? I'll, I'll put that in the comedy. That's a 
Yeah, it fits For some reason, this morning I woke up thinking of that song. Don't ask me why. I don't know if I had a crazy dream or what, but that was the first thing that popped in my yeah, head this morning. Was that stupid song. It's a good song. <laughs> I've got a couple of uh, calls for. Okay. Uh, I think they're pretty short. Hey, All right. This is Debbie and Lafayette. I probably won't be able to stay long and hear the comments, but I wanted to call in and say. My two of my favorite readers of books from the National Library Service, one was Missy Friedlander, and I was at a Vision Expo one time, and she was there and spoke to us, and Jill Ferris. And one of my favorite books, I like biographies and autobiographies and historical fiction. Uh, one of my favorite books was Christie by Catherine Marshall, and I also like the book about the Stanley Brothers. Ralph and Carter Stanley, and I can't think of the name of the book. And a coal miner's daughter about Loretta Lynn. Anyway, y'all have a good day. Bye bye. Hey, there's one. Yes, hi. This is Neil in Sock Rapids, Minnesota here. And this message is for the coffee club crew or whoever's out there. Um, I remembered being in Louisville, Kentucky for the. Uh, National Convention of the NFB in the 1980s. I don't remember exactly what year, but we went and toured, some of us went and toured the American Painting House for the Blind, and I met a reader that was uh, out of his studio for a few minutes taking a break. If you remember the name, I think it was, I think his name was Randy Atcher, and he seemed really, really nice. And I really loved that when we toured the printing house at that time. That was really great. Just a little comment for the coffee club people. Have a great day. Bye. Yeah, I I, I was on that same tour. <laughs> Randy Atcher, yeah, he worked on WHS. I remember too. that name. Um, yeah. I, I like Terry Hay Sales, but, but I was forced to read in fifth grade. Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm, oh, and I yeah. hated the book, I, and I liked the movie much better. So, <laughs> what can I say? I like that book, but I read it a lot later. <laughs> I, I like the Shirley Temple version better, but we do have Joe Sorensen. One more time, if you can make it quick, because there may be some oh, other people. Oh, no, no, no. oh this, this, this is quick. Anyways, I, I, I lived in Minnesota, and Ginny and I, my first wife, we, we had one of those radios. Now, we, we would still get a lot of crosstalk from, from KSJN when we would try to listen to the paper at night, and we would still, and in the morning, the morning newspaper, Garrison Keeter would still bleep in with his morning show on that sub carrier. Anyway, after living in Minnesota, and we, we listen to Minnesota now, um, practically almost every day at 11 our time. But anyway, this is my quick comment for today. Thank you all at once for everything here on the Coffee Club. Thank you, Joe. Thank you very much. Okay, uh, Dick. Always you always come in at the last minute, but that that, that makes it that That's makes it fun, Dick. Come on and unmute yourself, please. Hello, everybody. I hope everyone is doing well. Um, I had to call. We were talking about the radio reading services, and what Joe uh, he was kind of spot on in Chicago. They had the WBEZ came in. Um, 
I bought, I got one of those GE super radios from uh, Bruce Elvick from FM Atlas. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And, but one thing which I really enjoyed when I was fishing, fooling around with the other uh, stations on the subcarrier, with the, the medical channel that was a jazz uh, station, and then one of the stations in Chicago was owned by the Mormon Church, and so they used to have the Brigham Young football games on Saturday afternoons. Hey, that's pretty cool. Oh, there you that go. really is. But I, I, I was go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say I love listening to the subcarriers because I could listen to all the beautiful music stuff because I'm I'm very much into that as well. And it was interesting to hear how they did it in the store. And I remember going to the store and I'm saying to my mother, the next song is going to be, and she goes, "How did you know that?" And I said, "Well, I was listening to it on, on the subcarrier receiver, and they're playing music." Amazing. Yeah, they, the medical channel was pretty interesting too. I thought. Um, but unfortunately, the radios kind of died, and uh, of course, radio service, I don't think you still have one in Chicago uh, or Milwaukee here. Uh, of course, Newsline kind of put the newspapers kind of... Uh, That's true. Well, the, physician radio, the Physician's Radio Network is no longer, has been gone for many, 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 many years. Um, but the guy that I liked used to work there was, uh, they had a lot of radio announcers who worked in New York City because that's where it was based. Les Marshak was the guy that I knew, and he did a lot of commercials for them. And they had commercials for drugs, like regular radio commercials, long before the TV stations had them, Dick, if you remember that. Oh, God, yes, I do remember. Oh, all the, all the, on the news, all you see are the drug commercials. My goodness. But on the yeah, Physicians Radio I... Network, they had them before we ever, we ever got to hear them on the regular yeah. television. You know, like she's my doctor when I see her I say oh I forgot my list of all the drugs I'm supposed to ask you about well everyone <laughs> have a good day and we will uh, see you tomorrow night Take thank you alright good- right, Richard we'll see good ya. talking to you you know my ex-wife is on a drug for her diabetes called Ozempic and I love it because they have this jingle that goes oh 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 Ozempic <laughs> they make it sound like it's such a gloriful drug but I know there are a bunch of side effects to it what do they? How come they think it's going to work for? Well, because it, it 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 helps you lose weight, and she said that as she's taking this drug uh, as prescribed by her doctor, she is needing less and less insulin, and uh, I don't know if that means that it'll take her off the insulin, but she says that she likes it better because uh, she doesn't have to worry uh, doesn't have as much insulin to worry about. Although I think she has to be careful because her sugar was really low and she came over to my house to pick me up because we were going to a meeting with Brenda's, my daughter's teacher. And she said, well, I'm not, I'm not feeling great. My sugar's at 79. And I said, well, I, I'll say, hold on. I, I went back up to my apartment, had two pears because they have sugar in them. And she ate them and she said she was much better. Well, that's good. You want to get it down. If the thing works, mine makes my stomach so it does accomplishment of losing a little weight, but it makes your stomach feel so bad. Yeah, well, that, Genuvia was a problem that she had with that thing, and it causes the runs and stuff like that, and she didn't like taking that, and I know that there are other people who have had that same problem. So I'll have to ask her how when I see her again. Now, I don't know when I'm going to see her again yet, but how that is working. But I know she said that it, that seems to be working for her. So, And, I, and it, they not only do they use it for diet, they use it for people who are overweight. And so that seems to be what they're just subscribing now. I don't know if it's covered under Medicare or Medicaid, but I know that, that she's definitely on it. Well, if she wouldn't be able to afford it otherwise, Jeff. That's true. You know, so it wouldn't be an option. So it must be covered someplace. Somehow, you know something? All of these politicians for the past 
many years we're all about lowering prescription drugs it never happens and is the drug lobby just too powerful or what because you don't see prescription prices except for generics sometimes take them down yeah it's very tough i mean i'm on a i have a very good drug plan because i worked for new york state so my drug costs don't cost that much but i know people who don't and uh, and they they use good RX or they or they try to get coupons from the pharmacy to get them lower and it's a, it is it is a problem i mean i'm on three medications and one medication which is simvastatin that i use for my cholesterol doesn't cost me anything uh, but the other two medications for high blood pressure lisinopril and amlodipine do cost money um, but i'm i'm paying like 2 dollars for each each drug for a 90 day supply but that but most people aren't that fortunate Bill. no no they're not, and they're just not. They just can't do it, and that's another topic for another time. I know we got Tim coming up, and he is going to play that song dedicated to you. So, <laughs> Thank you, Tim. <laughs> yeah, that's Jeff for you. And then Chris and Dave are cooking a pork butt like I did a couple weeks ago, one of those on the smoker that takes a lot of time. How's that coming along, guys? They're busy looking at it in the oven there with the smoker. Yeah. They must be doing... Boy, something's going on. Bing, 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 bing. That's goes <laughs> my phone when you don't want it to. But I have to leave the phone on for you people noise buffs because it monitors my um glucose monitor yeah she's on now Kristen, i believe is on the libre if i'm not mistaken right. the same thing that you're on and i actually heard the alarm go off uh, while she was on the phone talking to me and i said what's that because that's my alarm telling me my sugar's too low so it does work so that's that's a good thing. Well, I don't guess we'll get an update from Chris and Dave on their on their smoking out there in Pennsylvania. But it was a little cool there, so the grill has to work a little harder. We don't and usually have that problem here, do we? No. No, and if you guys want to hear about the uh, internet radio, and there are internet radios out there, uh, you get to hear about the uh, one from Sanjian tomorrow. And if you want to hear about radio station, radio air checks, and the area of the country we're covering, uh, we're going to talk, cover the, the state. We don't cover that often, but we're going to cover the state of Oregon. We're going to hear an air check of the real Don Steele, or he wasn't the real Don Steele back then; he was just Don Steele on the KISN in Portland, Oregon. And we're going to hear a station that's. Uh, Adopted a classic rock format, uh, KG, KMGX FM in uh, Bend, Oregon. So, all in all, I think you're going to enjoy tomorrow's All Things Radio show. I think you'll have Bill, the uh, the grill is doing real well. So far, it's up to 173, so, uh, so it's getting there. You're almost what, there. What is the temperature it has to get to when it's all done, Dave? 195. Oh, you only have, you only have about less than 20 degrees. Not too bad. No. Uh, 22 degrees, I mean. Sorry. And then it has to rest a little bit. Right. About 20 minutes. Yeah, it has to rest. I never understood that. It's got to rest. 
What's it been doing in there? You know what I mean? <laughs> what actually what happens is once that gets up to 195 and you let it rest, it actually cooks a little bit uh, inside, and and it 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 uh, reabsorbs some of the juices. Yeah, so ours ours came out pretty well. It was it was pretty good. You have to put a little stuff on it, but it was it was pretty good. So we were just wondering how that was going there. Mr. Irving, Jeff over here, uh, he, his hands were getting scared just thinking about having to pick up that pork. <laughs> I, I was going to say, but I know how to eat it, so. <laughs> you know how to eat it. He may not be able to cut it, but he can, he can eat it. That will be. Yeah, I, I, I was. I had the. I had the microphone, and I went out to put pellets in the grill. That's why I oh. couldn't get back to you right away. Oh. Now, see, it's too bad they don't have a. They don't have a bigger bucket that just that you could put like a like a, a, a whole a whole bunch of pounds of pellets in there. You wouldn't have to do that. It would just keep doing it. Oh, but, gosh, uh, it holds like twenty at a time, though. Yeah, it it holds quite a bit. I just kept it topped off because I the. I just didn't want it to run out. So now we could put in our other grill, which was not accessible. We could put 60, 60 pounds. We could put in a lot of pellets in the grill in that particular grill. But hey, if you couldn't work the screen, what's the point of it? Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> How true. So, well, Dave, enjoy your your pork butt. Enjoy your mashed potatoes. Enjoy the uh, whatever other vegetable you're going to have with it, because it sounds like you guys are going to. Oh, don't forget the corn. Got to have corn. Got to have corn. And remember, yeah. tomorrow is National Donna Day. So if you know somebody named Donna, walk up and give them a hug, or shake their hand, or do whatever <laughs> is appropriate. But. Tomorrow is Donna Day all across yes. the country. It's not only Dave and Chris, but remember, they can't be called or contacted till after they get home tomorrow. <laughs> so before they have to prepare for Donna Day and then then they go. There enjoy you go. that enjoy that dinner, Dave. Uh, yeah. Nice. All right. <laughs> so guys I get we'll we'll get going here. And uh, Tim, have a great show. And uh, thank we'll you. Talk to you. Since I dropped twin spins as of yet, I'm already missing the opportunity to play music. I guess I'll have to come on on a Thursday or Friday one week. Uh, uh, there you go. There you, you go. got plenty of shows still. You're not going to miss Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.